Okay, so, geez, this is our first episode in... Uh, like a year. Yeah, uh, over a year, I think. Closer to a year and a half, maybe. I think it was last summer. Was it? I don't remember. I know the last time we recorded anything was somewhere around a year ago, but I think I last put anything up even longer ago. <laughs> uh been, been quite the bad podcaster. Um, <laughs> so, welcome to the uh, the first episode of uh, the Alon's Geek Podcast we've had in quite a while. Uh, Going to try to make this a, a, at least a monthly thing. Uh, hopefully we can get through one solid year of actually putting out something. Uh, Fingers crossed. Not, not so easy uh, with our schedules. Yeah, Me working night and you being a grad student. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I think try to keep these ones short from now on, because I know our, our first few were pretty long. Uh, I think probably trying to go for about a half an hour seems good. Uh, half an hour, no, no less than about 20 minutes, I would say. Yeah. yeah, well, it's hard but, getting us uh, to talk for you know an intermediate amount of time, <laughs> less than two hours. <laughs> but uh, yeah, today we're uh, discussing a relatively new minis game called Ethereum, made by a company called Anvil Eight Games. Uh, currently, they make another game called Frontline No Comrades. Uh, we haven't tested that one out yet. But it's not related to Ethereum. And uh, I've heard they've got a role-playing game set in the Ethereum world. Uh, The basic premise of Ethereum is... um, It's kind of a minis game set in something similar to The Matrix. So it's an internet world um, and... Uh, its basic nature is harmful to people, but there's little islands of it that are stabilized, and uh, so that's what you and your opponent are fighting over, generally, is control of the nodes and pylons that stabilize the Ethereum and make it useful, because I mean, it's basically a world where, you know, imagination is uh, the limit <laughs> to what you can be and do, which makes the uh, role-playing game sound pretty enticing i think um could potentially have a really diverse party yeah uh so we earlier today tried out uh, our first game ever <laughs> of this we had a pretty good number of stumbles there but uh, what would you say about it jake your thoughts as someone who's not necessarily played but studied a lot of different minis games this one doesn't have the most intuitive system. That's not bad at all. <laughs> it is a little hard to wrap your head around at first uh, because it's very different. But once you get used to it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it, um, it's nice and simple. I, I didn't keep an eye on the clock when we were playing, but I think that was, what, an hour and a half, maybe, that it took? And uh, while that is kind of long, considering the low model count, we were learning the game as we went. Uh, I think I read about mm, 
a quarter of the rules. <laughs> and uh, uh, I don't think you've read any of it, have you, Jake? Uh, I've read some of my unit stats now, but I've never read yeah, the well, actual rules. When we went into it, yeah, I think I think I had, had intended to loan you the rule book a while back, and it just didn't happen. <laughs> but, right. yeah. So, uh, I'd say easily uh, this could get down to an hour or less for like a regular game once you really know what you're doing. And then keeping in mind that we were only playing with the kind of starter set. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I guess we should get into the, the structure of it, the, the yeah. unit allocation or uh, force org chart, you might call it. Um, there's three different categories that the programs, your models, fall into. There's avatars, which are um, sort of your player surrogate. It's, it's the you in the game. Um, you don't lose if your avatar gets uh, deleted, but which is nice. the game gets a lot harder without your avatar. Um, but you have one avatar in a normal game, and then uh, there are functions, which are, uh, from everything I could see, they are single model units that have some pretty potent abilities. Either they seem to be really good at one thing, like being a sniper, or they're moderately good at doing a couple of different things, like handing out damage or giving support. Um, and then there's subroutines who are your grunts, the uh, you know screening models and damage dealers or whatever you have. Uh, and they tend to be, in fact, I think all of them that I've seen so far are multiple model units that uh, there's two to five models in each of them, and they are pretty bare bones. Uh, they have a very obvious purpose and they're not really good at anything else <laughs> yeah but um, organization wise you have to take an avatar but from there it's really down to you and your opponent what you want to use and uh, in the normal sized game that they uh, instruct you to use and give you the uh, hardware and everything for you get one avatar two functions and two subroutines and you're not allowed to take multiple copies of anything, so you get you know one kit of a particular subroutine. That's the only one you need. You don't have to buy more than one, uh, and you can't use more than one, no matter how good they are and how or how much you want to use them. <laughs> Which, with everything we've seen, means that for a normal game, model size for your army caps out at about eleven. Yeah, maybe 13 if you've got two subroutines that are five models apiece. I don't think I've seen any, though. Like, they're all fives or threes, it looks like. Yeah, so. seems like everybody has a five, a four, and then, like, a two, maybe a three. So if you had a four, you could cap out at 12. Yeah. Um, though, uh, one of the new factions, the, the Romox, which are, like, the monsters, I think, that uh, live in the untamed... Ethereum, uh, I, I would bet that some of them are pretty numerous. I haven't really looked at them, though. What is surprise me. Um, Horrible monsters from beyond the edge of space usually come in large numbers. Yeah, they're going to have something something bordering on a Zergling rush, I would guess. But, um, yeah, what we tried out is this uh, two-player starter set that they make. Uh, it's uh, $89 U.S., 
uh, comes with the core rule book, like the, the big, you know, full-sized one that you would buy individually if you wanted to. Um, it's also got the mat, which uh, this game uses a, I think it's 3x3 three three, uh, game mat for its whole area, so it doesn't take up a whole lot of table space, unlike uh, some of the bigger minis games. Um, it's got a grid work laid out on it, too, which makes movement nice and simple. But, yeah, it's got the mat. It's got two different factions, the two original factions to the game. The Nanomay, which are kind of uh, uh, anarchist, uh, rabble-rouser sort. And then the uh, Axiom, which are uh, uh, fascist. Nazis. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're very dystopian-looking. Uh, <laughs> the two of them on the table together, especially. <laughs> Because it's their um, all of their characters are basically all their models either have a really heavy religious feel mm-hmm. to where they're like like two thirds of their characters are priests uh, or they look like something out of Judge Dredd. Yeah, they're they're very pokely uh, <laughs> and or future coply. <laughs> yeah, like the the starter set comes with two your, your characters a priest. Then you have two functions. One of whom is a dude with a grenade launcher. One of whom is another priest. And then robot dogs and guys with riot shields and clubs. <laughs> yes. Clubs with spikes on them, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but hey, it's it, 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 they're, they're not real people, right? They're just computer programs. Uh, yeah, it comes with... Two different subroutines, two different functions, and an avatar for both of those factions. It comes with a complete token set for both of those factions. It's got six of the special dice they use, which are a 12-sided die with different symbols that they use for uh, kind of balancing the attack power and accuracy of the different programs. Um... So there's four different symbols on the dice, and a given program will need one or more of a certain symbol to get more damage on an attack. Or to even hit. Yes, and to even hit. <laughs> Which also makes things nice and simple, because there's not a different target number or anything to, to be able to hit a model. It's just based on the stats of the thing that you're attacking with. Uh, although... The Axiom uh, Space Nazi guys uh, have at least one debuff, I recall, where you that you lose. Yeah. You have to remove one of your successes. Uh, the uh, the Praetorians, the guys with the riot shields, can uh, trigger a special ability where when you attack them, they get to negate one of your successes. Yeah, and then the priestess that runs the crew in the starter set can change what your uh, success characteristic is. Yeah, that's only when attacking her, though, right? Uh, but she can give that ability to a oh, good lord! <laughs> but when she gives it to somebody else, she loses it. Oh, well, so that's she, nice. It's, it's called a badge of office. So the, the the impression that I get is like she literally hands the badge off to somebody yeah. else, and while they're holding it, she's vulnerable. But while they're holding it. That thing is just as hard to yeah. achieve. Which, uh, as, as support-heavy as that faction is, that's pretty handy. And you're likely to be keeping her in the back somewhere safe anyway. Yeah. <laughs> if, if she's in melee, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> or you're playing against 
a very aggressive <laughs> player. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah. Oh, it's also got, um, to represent the, the stabilized areas within the Ethereum, uh, they have different sized tiles that you use, and one of the game mechanics you can use and will use <laughs> is that you can move those tiles around uh, by spending the RAM that's generated uh, based on your avatar and upon um, how many nodes and pylons you control. The more RAM you have, the more you can move those tiles around. You can also spend RAM to give extra action points. I forget exactly what they're called, but it's it's how many points the, the program has to spend to do stuff. Um, you can give you can overclock them by spending RAM, um, so you can really juice a particular thing up if you need it to do a lot more than normal, which is nice. Which that was one of the things that made your faction really dangerous. Was yes, they, they all have a really high overclock. Yeah, they can all get two or three extra points, <laughs> whereas everything you had could only get one. Yeah, which those one usually came in handy, but yeah. it would have been really nice to be able to like sink an extra three into somebody. Yeah. Because like, I, I was generating a lot of RAM throughout that game, and I didn't have a lot to use it on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, you get a pretty large set of those big, uh, they call them schemas, the, uh, the stabilized areas that you want your models to be on. Um, any model that winds up in the, uh, what do they call it, the, the, the noise? Yeah, the noise or something. Um, yeah, if you go off of the schema into the the mat, <laughs> uh, you're probably gonna die. <laughs> Most models can't stand up to being out in the noise for very long, which is kind of nice because you've sort of got a board within a board. Yeah, and, and one of those you can change the shape of as part of the game, which is uh, kind of a fun mechanic. And I don't recall seeing anything like that really in any other game. Uh, Warhammer had that one thing where you could animate a whole forest terrain piece, but <laughs> that was rarely used. Yeah. But, um, but so, the trade-off is, is that it means you've got a serious hazard on the board. Yeah. Like, like whereas, whereas most games, if you have something dangerous on the board, it's a small part of the overall battle. Whereas this game, the area of gameplay that is safe is a fraction of the whole technical yeah, area. I, I think probably in the, the little tutorial uh, game that we did, it's probably about half the surface area. Yeah, half the surface area of the map was safe. Yeah. And the rest of it was... Uh, you might survive it, but probably not. <laughs> it seemed like yeah, functions and avatars can spend a short amount of time in the noise, but subroutines go squish. <laughs> yeah, that was that was our certainly our experience. Yeah, that's what you kept doing to mine. Uh, the 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 riot cop like guys, the Praetorians, uh, under the right circumstances, can basically just hit one of your models, then pick it up and throw it. <laughs> and uh, a couple of mine got thrown off of their schema into the noise uh, where they promptly died. <laughs> so just a tip for everybody out there that's playing against Axiom, uh, do not engage them near the edge. 
Especially not with anything you value. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah, your, uh, any other impressions? Um, the combat system, maybe. I, I liked the combat system. Um, I'm all for simple game systems that are easy to pick up where you're not constantly having to go back to the rule book to go, oh, what do I do now? And and, and, and what does that mean? And what does that mean? What is it? it was it was a really simple and while I, we didn't necessarily get it at first, yeah. we picked it up really quick. One of the quickest games to learn, I think I've ever Yeah. Uh, it I would say probably the second easiest game I've ever picked up, minis wise. It could have been slightly simpler, but that's part of what I feel like makes it really good is that it's weird and different and it's, and also what makes it good is the low model count. Yeah. I love that there's just maybe a dozen things for it's you to build and paint. It's simple enough. <laughs> it's simple enough that you can learn it really easily and you can get the hang of the game really easily. Mm-hmm. But there's just enough complexity to really let you strategize and get into some tactics. Yeah, it, it's... It, there's a lot of strategic complexity in it. Yeah, it seems to have struck a good balance of how complicated can you make it on yourself and how complicated is it? Yeah. You know, or it's, it's fairly simple to learn how to play it. We pretty much had it figured out in two turns, but... I think even by the last turn of the game, we were going, oh, that's how I ought to have been using these. Yeah. Certainly that's what I was experiencing. Yeah, but the... Uh, <laughs> I just went whole hog aggro. <laughs> what, do they, what do they call them? I, I can't remember what your faction was called. Uh, uh, Nanome. Yeah, the Nanome are... It, it, they're really easy to fall into an aggressive trap. They yeah. They kind of <laughs> remind me of uh, orcs in Old Warhammer. Where it's, you look at them face value and it's, oh, this is a really heavy aggro army. I'm just going to charge it straight at the enemy and just start whooping. And it's really easy to stretch yourself a little too thin playing that. Yeah, like the uh, their avatar that comes in this set, the mask, who uh, wears a Guy Fox mask, um, he, at a glance, seems like kind of a lone operative sort because he's real good at backstabbing melee attacks. And so... You're going to tend to put him out on his own, but his best defensive ability, the thing that keeps him alive, he wants a friendly model to be within three spaces of him. So you don't want to put him too far out on his own. Yeah, no. I think price-wise, it's certainly a pretty good game. Uh, The starter set especially, $90 for literally everything you need to play the game. And they're plastic. Well, they're resin. Well, they're not metal. Yeah, they're, they're not pewter. Yeah, that's that's nice. And it's a really nice resin, too. It doesn't seem to be too brittle. I, I, I did break one model while assembling them, but um, for resin, that's pretty good. Yeah. Especially considering how small the parts are. And they didn't have some of that, these. Uh, that problem that you see with a lot of like early resin where uh, you kind of play in a lottery trying to figure out if they're going to warp yeah. Before you even open the box. Yes. There, there were a couple of them that were warped. Like the uh, the maces for the Praetorians were a little bent on, I think, two of them. But uh, a little bit of hot breath onto them uh, 
was enough to bend it slowly and gently back into place. <laughs> As opposed to some characters that we've gotten in the past for other games. From a certain like, British company. Where they, uh, <laughs> they look like that one guy at the end of Indiana Jones and the temple. Not the temple, but the... Uh, the one that drank from the wrong cup? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about halfway through the transformation in the last crusade. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> And it looks like, you know, at a glance, most of the models are around 10 to 15 bucks for a kit. Um, 10 for the ones that are only like a single model, and then it seems like 15 or so for uh, the ones that have more models in them. Which is a pretty good price, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, let's see, it's uh, like 15 bucks for uh, the pack of tiles if you don't want to buy the core set. 25 for the rule book, 10 bucks for a set of dice, uh, which I suppose is something that you could complain about if you want to do, is that they use a proprietary dice, so you have to have those dice. But, I mean, really, <laughs> that's not a problem. It, it, and it, it's a good balancing mechanic. We're gamers, we're going to spend money on dice. It's yeah. just part of the hobby. <laughs> so let's see. Let's look up some exact prices here. Um, let's see. Yeah, they've got, for one thing, they have sets you can buy. Like, there's uh, what they call the Axiom Expansion Set. Let's see, it's $70. Okay, so it's got uh, another avatar, that's Commandant Spider. Uh, the Long Shot Function, the Pacifier Omni Function, which the, uh, the Omnis are... Um, semi-unique in that you can only field one of them uh, and they're a, they're a function program but you can only have one even if your faction has multiple Omnis which I don't think any of them do yet um, but they're big beefy suckers that you know are really good yeah. <laughs> which is why you can only have one the uh, the slave hack guys the, the captives that they convert to bombs uh, and it's got the Venari subroutine also so it's oh, yeah, got the ones with the suppression guns. Yeah. So it's got literally that's a whole full like normal game set of models for and seventy. That's almost everything in the faction that wasn't in the box. Yeah. Um, and then let's see. There's their website is surprisingly good for a small company too. It's it's pretty user friendly. Um, then they have this thing called the Auxiliary Box, which is 35, and it's got, it says, five models, Pontifect Newholm, the Avatar, uh, which is the, the third Avatar for this, and then uh, for Axiom, the Agent Function, the Triumvirate Subroutine, and that's it. So, literally, you can buy in two big chunks the rest of the faction that doesn't come in the core box, there. That's nice. Yeah. Um, so, like, it'd be $110 to get everything else that exists in the faction. Um, which is, you know, well, that's a, it's a, a high number, but that's literally everything. That's the yeah. entire collection. And then you can also buy things individually. I was, I was a little wrong there with my pricing. Um, the set of the Praetorians, if you so if you didn't buy the core that two player starter, and we're just getting into Axiom, the Praetorians, uh, it's a five model program, uh, are thirty five dollars. Uh, the Hounds, which are only two models, they're twelve. 
that's not bad. And they fill the same slot. So <laughs> Slave Hex, $21 for three models. Venari are the same. So, I mean, really good pricing. Uh, it seems like about... You save a lot on the bundle. Six to ten dollars a model. So yeah, you're saving quite a bit by purchasing them in a big chunk like that. With the the was it the expansion and the auxiliary sets, um, and they've got now five full fledged factions, and then they've got a sixth one that is um, uh, mercenaries that'll I think work for anybody, but. Um, altogether pretty good it's like especially if you're new to the idea of mini gaming yeah if, if you don't have any previous minis gaming knowledge in your head this is i i bet it would be just as easy to get into as any other maybe a little easier because you know we've got baggage from warhammer and hordes and war machine and uh x-wing and <laughs> all so kinds of stuff <laughs> you know things to unlearn and this one does kind of, I think, require a little bit of unlearning. Um, like it's got, it, it has forward and rear arcs for visibility, but because the models use square bases and you're on a grid system, um, that line that separates front from back is actually drawn across the back of the base rather than being you know halfway across, which you get in uh, things that have firing arcs on round bases. Um, and a nice thing is the uh, the grid makes it really easy to see the line of sight. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's there's none of the leaning under the table, you know, yeah. getting a laser pointer, yeah. trying to figure out exactly where your model is in reference to the enemy. It's looking at the squares. Yeah. Pick a corner of your model. Does it? Can you draw a line from that corner to two corners of? the model you want to attack without going through anything that counts as uh, an obstruction, which what counts as an obstruction on the um, uh, schema tiles is marked. They have little symbols in each square that tells you if it's an obstruction or if it costs you extra uh, points to move through it or if you can't move through it, uh, which is really nice because then, you know, it's just... It's right there on the tile. You can't uh, argue or, you know, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm getting really close to it. Well, you're going completely into the square. So it's, it's a very simple movement system, but it, it works, I think, for keeping the game fun and keeping things moving quickly. Which, speaking of, the turn system. Yes. Um, the game uses a... Has a, it seems most scenarios have a maximum number of turns, uh, but each player chooses the order that their programs will activate in. And so you really have to consider, you know, which, which one of my guys do I want to go before which one of my guys. It's really important for Axiom because you got to figure out your buffs and everything. But it's important in general just because, you know, you don't want to block yourself off and mess yourself up as you move through the board. And then you set those in a deck off to the side and then take it in turns between the two of you to reveal who's going when. Um, so it's like, you know, I draw my first card and it lets me activate my avatar. So I go ahead and I completely resolve my avatar. And then Joseph draws his first card and it's his riot girls. 
And so then he activates his riot girls and gets everything done with them. And then it goes back to me. And then once you've drawn all of your cards, you recalibrate. Is that what it is? Recalibrate? Yep. It's a recalibration step where you uh, gain back however much RAM you're supposed to get, depending on your uh, avatar's starting value and then pylons and nodes that you control. And you put your... uh, program activation deck pad pad uh back into whatever order you want it and uh just at a glance every operation so every scenario in the book um with one exception specifically only goes until the players have completed five recalibration yeah and with the model count you're dealing with uh five turns goes faster than you think yeah, you know, there, um, there are some games like War Machine and Hordes, Warhammer, um, just drag. <laughs> where five turns can be three, four hours. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this game five turns is going to be over. Yeah, it was an hour and a half roughly for us, yeah. and with we were learning the game as we went, so it could easily have been probably with the low number of models we were using. I would bet thirty, maybe forty-five, maybe probably. 30, 45. I wouldn't expect a full-size standard game to go longer than maybe an hour and a half. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, let's get critical for a minute. What um, What is there to complain about? What's the worst thing I can think of that I've seen so far is just that the rule book is a little poorly laid out. I think that'd be the worst I could say about it, that I've had to do a lot of flipping back and forth. And, um, you know, it's, it's easy to get spoiled with uh, some companies that give you, you know, an insert that has a, a cheat sheet with all the symbols and stuff on it that the there's, there is a page like that, but it's kind of in the middle of the book rather than, you know, on the back cover or something or printed on a completely separate insert, which would be nice. But I feel like most of this stuff is pretty simple. And once you learn to recognize the symbols and what they mean, you probably don't have much need for a cheat sheet. So, you know, like a lot of games, the the rules could be laid out in a way that are a little easier to understand. But that's the worst I can think of to say about it is I would like the book to be laid out better. Yeah, we did have that problem throughout the game was just like when we didn't know how to resolve something when the phrasing wasn't super clear it always took us a while to find the answer yeah though it, we didn't have too many of those moments yeah, like, were things were pretty straightforward there were just there were just a couple of things that went wrong that weren't anything wrong with the game it was us not reading the rules correctly yes yeah, you, you definitely need to read the uh, how linked programs and how segmented programs work all the way through. Because they're <laughs> different. Yeah. yeah, there's not really much to complain about. I suppose you could complain that there's not a whole lot of options, but really, I mean, you got five different factions, three different leader models, and then it seems like three or four functions... And then four or five subroutine options, and you can only take one of anything. So yeah, there's you know, you can definitely recombine things in unique ways, and 
Uh, as someone who's prone to collecting everything from their faction, I love that there's not a whole lot of stuff and not any reason to buy multiples of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so really very little to complain about, I think. And the pricing is really nice because if you just want to buy everything in one fell swoop, you can get it at a pretty good discount. Um, and if you just want to buy things piece by piece, if there's just one model, even if you don't want to play, if you just like the model and you want something, it's 10 bucks for the, the, the individuals. Yeah, for all the individual ones, it looked like they were all around 10. I would bet the Omni programs are probably more expensive than that. Probably 15. But, yeah. But, but given uh, the size, level of detail, quality of the material, um, 20's not asking too much. Yeah, I mean, the most expensive thing that I saw for a single program was 35. I didn't look super thoroughly. I didn't look at every single entry in the website, but that's at least your ballpark areas. 35 at the most. That's... For the big guy? Oh, well, that was for the um, the Praetorians. Oh, right, So right, a five-model right. unit. Five-model unit, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, pretty good. I, I wasn't here for it. Uh, how are they to build? Not great. They were... There were no instructions, so none of the nice exploded diagrams you get with some kits that show you precisely how things go together. But... I only had to spend a few minutes looking at the pieces to figure out how they went together. And the only ones that really gave me any trouble were the Praetorians, and that's just because there was five of them to build. And I kind of didn't want to build them all looking the same, because there's sort of three different poses, and you get one of one and then two of each of the others. And I didn't want to build them exactly the same, so I cobbled them together in a way that the parts weren't really meant to go together in but even that was not hard now some of the models have some spindly little parts on them but because they're made of resin they i only had to hold a few of them in place for a little while uh for you know a minute or two to uh prevent them falling apart yeah so it was it was um hmm. Let's see, I guess scale of 1 to 10, I would call assembly, oh, a 7, probably. You know, it could have been easier, but it could have been way, way worse. I've had way, way worse. Looking at you, Wild West Exodus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, theirs are a little finicky. But, um, yeah, all in all, uh, I, I could definitely recommend this. Because it's affordable, it's simple to learn, it's quick, and it doesn't take up a lot of space. You know, the, the that starter set, they cram all kinds of stuff into that box, um, but it's only about the size of an average board game box. And depending on where you board, buy your board games, arguably smaller. <laughs> I mean, it's it's shorter lengthwise than, like, your standard Monopoly box. Um, what is that, like? Maybe. Uh, about three inches tall, maybe. Yeah, something like By about a foot wide, by about 16 inches long. So yeah, it's it's not at all an... Imp- uh, it's not a space hog. It takes up much less room than a lot of other minis games that I have. I think uh, we can call it here to, for, yeah, for this one. We've uh, talked about all that we can. Wor- worshipped as much as we can. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to learn more about Anvil 8's... Uh, Ethereum and other stuff that they are producing, just visit uh, anvil8.com. There's a hyphen and you spell out the word eight. So A N V I L hyphen 
D-E-I-G-H-T dot com. Thanks for listening, and uh, we will hopefully see you next month.